The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Beinhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. And, and this kind of goes back to the idea of branding and personal branding is, is people are showing a lot more of their lives on social media and things like yeah. that. And, and it kind of creates this issue of like, well, how much is too much? And, you know, what should I be sharing? But also at the same time, uh, you know, you're mentioning it's, it's really blurring those barriers of, you know, where's life, where's work and things like that. Right. And I think sometimes you have to kind of be strong with those barriers, because I know for me, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Mitch. Um, you know, I know a lot of people and I'm, I'm, I'm 35. A lot of people in my generation are very like hip to posting stories and blah, yeah, blah, blah. And everything. I'm like, my life's not that interesting. I work hard. I work long hours. I do a lot of these different things. So I think you have to kind of find out where that balance is for you and be, and be good with that. But I yeah. think we're, we, we overshare now too. And I think it's Definitely. finding that balance when you're creating personal brand content is like, you know, what's enough. And then what's just mine, right? Like what's right. just mine. Family yeah, time yeah, can be just privacy, for you. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize the permanency of what they share. I mean, it's yeah. going to be out there forever. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy Slee. I am the CEO of Command Your Brand. We help CEOs to tell their story in the right way through the power of podcasting. And I'm really excited to be on The Accidental Entrepreneur today. Okay, so welcome to The Accidental Entrepreneur. Um, for those of you listening out there, if you're listening on any of your favorite podcast directories, hopefully you can give us a like, uh, give us a five-star review. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our uh, channel and like the video so we can keep putting out all that good content that hopefully helps you as the entrepreneur move forward with your business. Today, we have a, a special guest. Everybody's a special guest, right, Jeremy? But um, yeah, we're man. Going to talk a little bit about we're going to talk about branding today and uh, command your brand and all the stuff you're doing. And you got a book coming out, right? Another one, and yeah. we'll talk about that. But maybe we can go back and talk about you know your background and 
where you were and how you got started and all that type of stuff. Then we'll lead into the branding, stuff like that. Yeah, it's my life's kind of like a a Beatles song, man. It's a long, strange <laughs> trip. It's definitely not a yellow submarine, but it's like a long, strange trip. <laughs> That's good, made for good, makes for good content. It, it's it's wild. So for me, um, my master's is in uh, early Roman Empire propaganda. I uh, actually explored how the how the Roman emperor convinced people he was God. There's a, there's a, a lot to do with that. Okay, um, so I studied, studied at Seton Hall in New Jersey. Uh, I also studied at New College, Oxford. And right. uh, my goal was to be a PhD. Um, I applied to one program, which was NYU. I didn't get right. in. And because of that, I ended up teaching high school in, in Wayne, New Jersey. There you and go. It, Good old Wayne, it, New Jersey. Yeah, I did that for a couple of years, man. And my, my mom actually ended up having a stroke in 2012. Oh, I'm so and sorry. It, made me look at a, a lot of what I was doing. And I'm realizing like, do I want to do this the rest of my life? And the answer when I asked myself was no. So right. I tried just about everything you can imagine, Mitch. Network marketing, in-home personal training, uh, life insurance. I sold products. I actually went to China, learned how to private label products and sold them on Amazon um, and ran out of inventory very quickly and didn't have enough money to buy more. So I was right. out of business very, very quickly. And I actually ended up working for a friend's uh, marketing firm in Teaneck learning how to build websites and stuff like that. And I started a podcast just as a hobby. And, and we had 10,000. This was back when? 2015. 2015. Yeah, this, so, the, but podcasting was very young then. Now you're talking seven years ago. weren't a million, two million podcasts out there. There were 240,000, man. I, yeah, I, I had nothing. been listening since like 2009. Um, I'm a huge fan of like Adam Curry and everything he does. So I was listening sure. to uh, yeah. his podcast with, uh, with John Dvorak, The No Agenda Show, which I still listen to today. And uh, I've been a fan for a really long time. So I had started all these different things. I didn't take off and I'm just working for a friend's company. And I kind of still just wanted to do something really as a creative outlet, not even as yeah. a business idea. Sure. And and we had uh, 10,000 listens in our first month and people started asking for help, which you know led to us eventually starting an agency and things like that. Not because I wanted to, but because, but because people were like, hey, help me. Right, right. Now with it, there was, you couldn't like listen to them on your phone in those days, right? Didn't you have to have like either an iPod <sighs> or you had to have another device? So in like, and I'm trying to remember the, ex I'm trying to remember the exact dates of this. So like in yeah. 2008, 2009, it was some podcast and then some like people would take audiobooks that were in the public domain, read them and make them in the podcast. I think LibriVox was like one of the big, big companies. In it, and that was a podcast. Okay. And I had the, uh, the uh, 160 gigabyte iPod. Um, and I would like download them and put them on that. And I don't think it was like in 2020. You could put them on your phone around 2012 or 2013, but you couldn't actually download them directly to your phone from data until like 2014, 2015. And that was kind of a huge change in the market because now right. you could go with somebody wherever they were rather than them right. having to do an extra you step to get, get it. wherever you wanted, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious because I know the technology, it's become very easy now, but it's also become a very busy space, you know? Yes. A lot of yeah, there's like, there's like three million. There's like three million shows million now? now. It's up yeah. to three million. I think it was like less than a million five before the pandemic started. Maybe it was eight or 900,000. It was That's 20, huge 2020, I think we finally went over, like it was around a million and a half, a million or something like that. Yeah. It compounded during the pandemic, but at the same time, you had a lot of people like not sticking with it. You know what I mean? Right, because they would be do, like, uh, right, exactly. They would do a bunch of episodes. They would release something. Those count too. Yeah, but they also right. like, I, th I think people go into it with the wrong expectations because they think it's yeah. going to be like, you know, I'm going to be Joe Rogan and it's going to be amazing. And it's, yeah, it's exactly. not like that for most people, man. I know. I, I coach a lot of people too. They want to start a podcast. And, uh, you know, I say the first thing you, if you really want to do this and you want to put out consistent com content for your business or, well, you know, whatever it is you're promoting, 
you better set it up so you can do this thing and not run out of gas. Because if you're all yes. gung-ho, it's going to be this, and we're going to have this production, you're going to run out of gas and you're going to stop doing it. And that's, I think, only like 30 or 40%, maybe it's not even that high, podcasts are continuing you know, to put out episodes. I got to yeah. this stuff. I think it's the the last stat I read, and this was from like a year ago, so I don't know what it's at now, but it was like only um, there's was around 3 million shows, only 18% of which are actually active. So that means they produce a ah, show okay. every two weeks. Right. So that's even not a huge number out of that at all. Yeah, no, I didn't even realize it was that low. So so all the other stuff is just kind of sitting there. Like once yes. you produce, if we did a, a series, an eight show series, it would just sit there. It would be there. Well, if they don't pay their hosting, then it just disappears. Well, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, then they just disappear. Exactly. All right. So um, where did you grow up originally? Where are you from? You've been in New Jersey all your life like me? Yeah, I've been in New Jersey all my life. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Sussex County boy, so it's all farm country up here. There I grew I grew up picking picking string beans and stuff like that. Yeah. Lived in Morris County from, from 2015 to to uh, 2020. And then the pandemic hit and I'm, you know, went back to Sussex County and bought a house because I need a few acres, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's a lot more built up than when I, when my wife and I were looking for a house, we, I remember if we were married, it was like before the turn of the century. So 98, 99, something like that. And uh, I remember I drove her out. She's from Florida originally. So I drove okay. her up there. We were looking, there were some new houses they were building up there. We get out there. She gets out of her car. She looks at her cell phone. She goes, no service. She gets back in the car. She wouldn't even go into the house or to drive back. So that was the end of that. Oh, man. Well, she wouldn't like to live where I live, man. So uh, like where we live, doesn't matter what cell phone provider you have. You are not getting service in my house. So that's why we have uh, we have like the Google Mesh Wi-Fi where there's yeah, little right. pods yeah. all over my house. It's the only yeah. way you get service. Right. Through uh, <laughs> what is that? Wi-Fi calling, right? Yeah, that's that's about all you get, man. But it's, it's beautiful yeah. out here. Barn, oh, bunch, I, bunch of chickens, a pig, yeah. you know. It's nice. You got to, you got to want to, you know, uh, green acres, right? You want to be out there and doing it. All right. So today's really about branding though, because you and I were talking and you've become really an expert at it and you've written a book. We'll talk about the book and yeah. you got another one you're just working on. You were telling me, but I think a lot of people, especially small business owners and entrepreneurs, they really miss the opportunity in today's world to brand, you know, to brand yourself. I have a, well, I'm working on it. It's not done yet, but I have a personal branding, you know, site, which is where mm -hmm. the podcast is going to end up in any books and speaking and so forth, because they kind of get lost with the law firm. As a lawyer, my name's on the law firm, but that's not true for every business. So I think they miss sure. the opportunity to kind of brand themselves because it's a way of promotion. It's a way of PR. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that whole side of it, you know? Yeah, we we deal with things more from a PR viewpoint, right? Because like most brands have become personal now, you know, like if you look at it, um, people know of like, you know, they know of Grant Cardone's, uh, you know, everything he's doing in the real estate space because they know who he is. He's big on right. social. He's big on, you know, he's big on, uh, you know, podcasts and Instagram and all these different things. It's the same thing with Gary Vee and all, and all these other guys, you know, I think uh, Gary Vee's from, from Edison. So he's, he's a right. New Jersey guy as well, which I think is not too far from your neck of the woods. If that's correct. No, no. And he originally made it, I think with his dad's company, the wine, wine library. library. And yeah. that's in Milburn right near here. Yeah. So, you know, brands have become personal before they've become, you know, brands now, which is kind of interesting. And I think it's because people are really attracted to people. And when you look at that, you have to understand number one, the purpose and all this content you're creating. Cause we talked in the beginning about people starting podcasts and they disappear and things like that. Right. So you have to understand what you're doing 
sure, it's going to create attention, but it should create attention for your business, what you're already doing. It's hard right. to make that it, for most people, it's not going to be a direct monetization. It's going to be creating a no like, and trust factor for your business. They have to so figure that's, that out, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and the big thing is differentiating from people in your space. And what, okay. cause what I mean by that is there's thousands of people out there and so many of them are saying the exact same thing. And what happens is when you do that, you promote other people that do what you do, right? Like if you if you don't have a specific way you talk about law and the way people need to know it, then you're promoting all other lawyers because there's not Pretty a much. reason people are going to remember you. Right. So you have to think about that in the content you're creating. What is your viewpoint? What is your tone of voice? What is your, you know, how do you look visually? How do you portray yourself on these different platforms? And it has to be relatable as well. Because one of the big things people don't consider is what is the exact market I need to be in front of? And I think that's what's really cool about podcasts is the way and the ability to really, really niche down with who you talk to. You know, yeah. maybe you want to talk to just people that are, you know, managing their practice. They, they want to look at practice management or something like that. Like we, we have people in healthcare that do that. Or yeah. you want to talk with just people um, that are running, you know, like let's say they're in C-suite in their business. You can talk to that. But really niching down in who your brand communicates to is vital. Yeah. And it's a huge, big step that people screw up in the beginning because they think their brand's for everybody. And Mitch, right. when you do that, nobody can receive your message. Right. Everybody is nobody. That's what I say. Exactly. I can do business with everybody. I go, well, then I'll never remember you. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true. And I think I think uh, a, a lot of people, they, they miss the whole... Let's call it. I don't love the word avatar, but ideal client. Oh, I hate like, that word too, man. That's funny. Yeah, I don't. I don't really love it because it reminds me of the movie. They give them a name and stuff like that, and I'm like, that's just weird uh, yeah, for me. I don't want to do that. I, but I do want to have a profile. Yeah. Of the people that I'm trying to do business with, can I, as a lawyer, do a lot of things? Yeah. And I get a lot of things. I do a lot of different things. I'm, I'm doing a couple of lemon law claims right now for some people. Right. I don't have that on my website, and I don't want it on my website because it's not really what I what I do, but you know, I have business owners that have problems like that too. So I think a lot of people miss that, the value of really, and I'm, I'm always honing it too. I'm not perfect at it either, but really sure. focusing in on, okay, these are the people I want to do business with. And if you, I think if you try and you can give me your opinion or disagree with me completely, I think that if you, you know, if you're that good at really focusing on that, you actually, it increases your business being yes. down. It doesn't, decrease because you're leaving the world out by some magic. It's the opposite of what they think, where they're trying to be everything to everybody, you know, because they get lost, well, and, I guess, in the message. Right. Well, and that's, and so that's an interesting viewpoint. So like, uh, so like uh, my brother-in-law, he's up in New York state and he does contract law. Um, right. And that's, that's what he focuses on. So when he's putting stuff out, they're thinking about contract law and that's it. So why would people be interested in contract law? What concerns do they have around it? What are the things they need to know about it? So like when you're thinking about that, you're going to get into the very particular things about who that person is, what they think, what questions right. they have, what makes them comfortable, what makes them uncomfortable. And when you can communicate to that, you develop what's called a power base, right? It's that small group that they're supportive of you and interested in what you do. And you can branch out from that, but it's a really big mistake to branch out before you develop a power base. There's a really good article um, it's called a thousand true fans. I think people talk about it for years. It's like it's, uh, fans type of idea. Yeah, because when you, you you don't need a huge group to be supportive no. of you, but that is how you build power, right? Is you start right. small because you know how people think, you know what they want, you know what they feel, you know a lot about their relationships and things in life. So because of that, you can use a certain type of language, you can answer certain questions, you can talk in certain ways, you can dress in certain ways. And because of that, you're really able to communicate to that group. Yeah. Well, I think that 
that ultimately is what happens anyway, right? Because as you do business with more and more and more people, most people can probably name a half a dozen or a dozen people that they get most of their support from, interact with the most, send them referrals, the people they refer business to. It's yep. generally a small circle. I mean, I have, I don't know how big your mailing list is, but mine as a lawyer is maybe somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 people that are on my yeah. mailing list. And that goes up and down. It doesn't mean I don't post and stuff like that. But out of that, I don't know all those people for sure. And I probably on a regular basis only interact with 20 to 30 of them at any given mm -hmm. time. You know, and I think that people just, yeah, they, they just really, they just try to do it the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have, I think, 7,000 people on our list. And it's like, you know, of that, there's five people that send me 95% of my referrals. There you go. And I think that's what it comes down to. It's an 20 rule. It's like yeah, one, it's, it, the 99 rule. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with the math on that one, man. I'm bad at math. Yeah. Um, but it's like you look at it, not even a percent. Yeah. But you look at it and I think people just get these weird ideas about how like it's good to take big action, right? It's definitely good to take big action. I don't want to discourage people from that. Right. But at the same time, when you're building an audience, focusing on a small group is actually what will eventually get you a big group. But focusing too big, you can't know all those people. You know what I mean? And I think that's right. the really difficult thing. Yeah. Well, that's that comes with building. Like I think a lot of people miss building things like mailing lists and stuff. Law firms are famous for this. I don't know who they're mailing to, but they're not building a list. I mean, if you have, look, I'm a solo practitioner. If I got 20 or 30 attorneys, it should be pretty easy to get 10,000 people on your mailing list. Yeah. Because every one of those people, have, I mean, unless they're brand new out of law school, but if they have clients, all those people should be on the mailing list. Are they, there's some overlap, but I mean, it should be thousands of people pretty quickly. People that recognize you, people that you keep in touch with, people that you share your message with. And people that are, like you said, listening to whatever it is you're saying, as long as your messaging, which I guess comes with branding, right? As long as your messaging is accurate. Well, and I think that's what it comes down to, too, because now, like if we're talking about an individual versus a company, you know, your, your viewpoints in that are going to change a little bit. And that's and that's and it, because I say, like, when you're looking at a company, you can have personal brands within a company, but there's also you know, companies will have a brand standards guide, right? Like there's certain ways our company talks, there's certain things our company discusses. So yeah. it is a little bit easier to personally brand yourself, number one, when you're a CEO or founder, because you kind of get to do a lot more of what you want to do. Or number two, when you're more of a solo practitioner, it is it is a little easier to do that. Yeah. Um, when you are somebody that is not in a managerial position, you you can do it a little bit, but you have to make sure you're staying within brand standards. That's something that's important to be considering as well, because companies don't want you stepping out of line as well and, and taking influence off how their brand communicates, how it looks, how it feels. So you can definitely do that and you should encourage your, your team to do that. But I think it is a little harder for them to have the freedom you can as a kind of, kind of somebody in the founder role. Yeah. All right. So I have a couple of questions for you that maybe we can do like hypothetical. I'm a new business owner starting out. How do I start to brand myself and my business steps like that? But I'm always curious about this because in, in the professional space, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, you're part of a, an accounting firm or you're part of a, a an architectural firm or you're part of a law firm, right? Mm -hmm. Should the, and I think branding standards are become very important in this regard, right? Yeah. Should the individual professionals, not the staff, but the attorneys and the, and the architects and the accountants that are driving the business, right? Should they be branding themselves? I know my opinion about it, but should they be branding themselves along with the firm branding itself as part of the whole ecosystem, or should they just kind of fall in line and the firm should be branding? Which I want to know your opinion about. It. So 
there's kind of two ways to answer that. And I think one that's, that's hard, um, especially like in legal and wealth management and things like that is there's so many levels of like approval things have to go through. It gets really yeah. hard. There is ethics um, and compliance and things. Compliant, the dreaded compliance department, man. Like we've had, we've had um, like pitch lists for clients we put together that took like weeks to get through compliance because there's so many things you have to worry about. So I think it's yeah. a lot harder in spheres like that. Um, but I think if you're looking outside of that, like it's, it's, it's a great idea, right? Because you want people to come to a business because they know that person, like that person and trust that person. Right. Um, but it does get really difficult when you're dealing with things like compliance. Like, um, like I knew a guy that did a, he built a huge wealth management company. He started doing social content and he ran on all these compliance issues. Yep. Um, personally, he had to give up his license. So he could keep doing content and then he could have people on his team do all the wealth management stuff. So there are a lot of things especially legally, you have to consider that people don't think of with that stuff. And that does put a lot of challenges in there. Yeah. You know, I don't allow financial. I, I do a lot of estates and trusts and business planning, right? So I work with a ton of financial advisors. I don't allow them on the show anymore. I've had a half a dozen come on the show. The episodes never got released. Well, because they, they probably can't get, say that much. Right. And they, well, first they would say, no, 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 it's not a problem, whatever. And then we would do the episode and they'd be like, ah, I was just talking to my compliance guy. We're gonna have to send it over to them. And let them listen. To, I'm like, all right, here you go. Never hear from them again. So now I get pitched financial advisors all the time. I'm like, sorry, we don't, I don't take them on the show. It's a little well, bit easier a- as a lawyer because you have more independence. They like think you can make your own decisions, but compliance in the financial world, forget about it. You have big brothers watching and you know, it's, we, it's impossible. We, we had a client once that that became an issue because you know, we do podcast spacer, right? And each podcast yeah. is independent and you know, you decide what you get to do as a host. I don't decide for you. That's a real problem right. if I try to do that. So like we had a client one time that wanted each one of these shows to go through compliance. And I'm like, so I know we've done some work, but I'm going to give you a hundred percent of your money back. Cause I don't want to deal right. with any of the problems that could cause for me no because way. it's just too much of a headache. And it's, it's unfair to walk into somebody's house and be like, you know, I'm here. Will you put dinner on the table for me too? While I'm here. Like, right. like it's kind of rude. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And there are, I found there are some financial institutions, some of the insurance companies, whatever, that are doing it the right way. There's, you know, if you want to do a podcast, you use whoever vendor that they've, you know, they vetted you out, for example, and you're doing the editing and stuff for them and they'll let you do it. Or it's very independent. Maybe you don't have a license, you can do it. But a lot of the big wirehouses, forget it. You'll never, I mean, you can't even, you know, you can't even talk about your own personal life. They just, yeah. Yeah. I used to be licensed and do some things at work for insurance companies. That was just the day I gave all that stuff up was a nice day. I got enough things to be responsible for as a lawyer, you know, it's not, it's not, but it's hard to make content like that because normally you put an article together or something and, you know, you want to get it out. So it's timely, but you have a little bit of time. Podcast stuff is very current. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm still out 90 days or whatever posting this stuff, but it just was, it just was too much. But I think you're right. I think, I, I don't know. I've thought about it. Like if, if you take an organization, any kind of organization, right. And you have, you know, a level of middle management, upper management, you want those people to be endeared to the company, right? And to be raving fans and supportive of the company. But you also want them to know that they're important. You know, it's a quid pro quo, that they're important to the company and the, and the company's important to them. And if the company's supporting their career and promoting them and helping them brand themselves, speaking, appearing, whatever, not only they're important to the company, but hopefully, unless they're just screwing everybody, but hopefully they appreciate that. Yeah. The support because look, companies change. People leave, you know, you, your, your boss leaves and you're like, oh, I don't want to stay here anymore. Or your company gets purchased or whatever. And if you're nobody, and, and I'll give a good example in the legal profession, I get resumes all the time from people 
that have no books of business. They're looking for a job. They're my age. They're in the mid fifties. Well, good luck. Mm -hmm. if you don't have business to bring with you to a firm because they're going to go out and hire the 35 year old guy. They're not hiring the 55 year old guy. I hate to put myself down, but that's just the reality of it. You know, right. unless they're hiring you as a big gun to do something with the firm, grow an office, open this, whatever it happens to be, that is not what, you know, what they're, what, what they're looking at. They're not looking to hire a guy who's got expenses and has a lot of pressure and is not going to work their ass off. And they're only going to get 10 years out of, let's say, or whatever. So I think a lot of people miss that if they would build themselves up, even in the corporate world, right? Mm -hmm. Make themselves valuable. It protects them. It makes them more valuable to their company and it makes the company more valuable to them because maybe it, uh, you know, it, it, it helps them. I don't know. It's just my opinion. Well, there, there's two things I would say to that, Mitch. Um, there's some companies that are getting better with having kind of like like social media guidance on what you can say and can't say. And I think that's really important, right? Because you want yeah. people talking about your business. You want people talking about your company in a positive light. And I think it does, um, a lot of companies have done a good job with this, frankly, around LinkedIn. And I'm, I'm seeing it more and more as, as one part of it. The other part I would say to what you're saying about like, you know, when you're, you know, coming into a company and you're, you're bringing a book of business with you, um, you know, when I'm hiring, one of the big things I'm looking at is, you know, who is the person that, you know, when they're writing a cover letter, they're writing something that is very specific to me and my company. They just didn't pop, copy and paste my company name in. Also, what particular skills are they bringing that they right. can't get for anybody else? Like I just um, hired somebody for our PR team that they sent me um, pages and pages and pages of writing to show me that, they, that how, how you know, good they were as a pitch writer. And to me, that's a skill that I can't get from somebody else then. Of course. So I want to look at what are you bringing to me and how are you presenting it to me? And is it directed to just me, right? Did you copy and paste this to everybody else or is this for me? Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's important. And I, I think you're right. I think companies are starting to learn that they not only shop for their customer and brand themselves for their customer, but they do brand themselves for employees. Employees are yeah. looking for things. They got choices nowadays. The millennials are like, how many days a week do I have to come in? You know, and we never asked that question when I was a guy. I don't 50, fit in my I, generation, man. Cause for me, yeah. it's like, it's like uh seven. Can I, can yeah, I work right. seven days? How does that sound? Well, you could work set. Look, the fun, I, the ironic thing about life now, I think is that a lot of us do this homework or whatever. I think yeah. we're working harder. I, I think, I think, business is intruding on their life because you're in your home, right? You, you, your wife has to run out. You, you were telling me you got a, you got a young couple of young kids, right? You're, yeah. And you have help coming in to help you because you can't get anything done. Life and it's all become mixed together. So you could literally drop, go pick your daughter up at school, come back at three o'clock, have a call at four, eat dinner and have a call at eight o'clock because some, you have a client and, uh, you know, I don't know, somewhere out West and it's earlier yeah. there. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting? Maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit, created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. Care for the planet. And look flippin' great doing it. 
North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. So it's like we used to decompress when we, we have no decompression time now. So, you know, you wish for what you get. And that's what happens to people, I guess. It's it's interesting, though, as well, because I think. And and this kind of goes back to the idea of branding and personal branding is, is people are showing a lot more of their lives on social media and things yeah. like that. And, and it kind of creates this issue of like, well, how much is too much? And, you know, what should I be sharing? But also at the same time, uh, you know, you're mentioning it's it's really blurring those barriers of, you know, where's life, where's work and things like that. Right. And I think sometimes you have to kind of be strong with those barriers, because I know for me, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Mitch. Um, you know, I know a lot of people and I'm, I'm, I'm 35. A lot of people in my generation are very like hip to posting stories and blah, yeah, blah, blah, everything. I'm like, my life's not that interesting. I work hard. I work long hours. I do a lot of these different things. So I think you have to kind of find out where that balance is for you and be and be good with that. But I yeah. think we're, we we overshare now too. And I think it's yeah. finding that balance when you're creating personal brand content is like, you know, what's enough and then what's just mine, right? Like what's right. just mine? Yeah, Family yeah, time can be just privacy, for you. right? Yeah. I, I don't think people realize the permanency of what they share. I mean, it's yeah. going to be out there forever. And tweets are in the Library of Congress. That's something to think about. Are they? Yes. They are all archived in the Library of Congress. Nice. So it's all automatically copyrighted. Protect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I I have um I just lost my train of thought. You said before that. Oh yeah. When, when the content goes out there forever, you know, things can pop up where you just think that they went away and you said something and then it's coming back to haunt you later on. I think people are so quick to say things and put stuff out there and respond. Is that the probably the best word? And then next thing you know. You know, when I was running a law firm, I had other lawyers. I would say, listen, don't get involved in like a Twitter war with yep. people or, you know, because it's just going to, you got people on both. We represent all kinds of people. So you, which group you want to upset and have them not do business with you anymore, you know, it's, and it's not fair it, to the other lawyers either. But that's a really good point too, because that brings the point of brand back into this, right? Like you have to think about like now the things you're doing online always reflect on you and reflect on your company, right? right. And I think that's that's really important to consider as well. Um, so I'm a big Yankee fan. Um, and I know uh, Nestor Cortez uh, got in trouble a few weeks ago because of some stuff he said on Twitter when he's like 17 and the guy's almost 30. So it's yeah. like these things have been around for so long. You like, you kind of always have to be considering like, 
am I what I'm doing on social now? How is this going to affect me five, 10 years down the road or affect whatever company or team or brand I'm with at that time? Like these are things to consider. People don't think, well, didn't uh, what's his name had to resign John Gruden from uh, the Raiders? And that was old stuff. It was years ago that he said. Those yeah, it, it's it's kind of wild. Like 10 it years was, ago. It was with a lawsuit that involved uh, the uh, Washington, whatever they're called now, uh, not Redskins the anymore. Commanders. The, the yeah, commanders, the commanders. There I we think. go. Yeah. It was like from a deposition related to that. And he just like happened to be like one piece in that. And then it, it came out many years down the road. So these are things you have to consider. And it's kind of wild, man, because I think one of the one of the rough parts about that is, you know, there's the, you, you kind of lose the idea of, of forgiveness now, too. But it's once again, you got to be thinking with these things and building a brand. There's always liability now in everything you're doing. There is. There is. We used to get I'm sure it's down in my list somewhere. I used to get some reviews that were totally fake. People would put up reviews like, don't go to this law firm. They steal your money. And I oh, no. I couldn't find the person's name anywhere in our archive. I would write to the guy, ask Google to take it down. They wouldn't. And, uh, you know, you just pri- you try and load up with good reviews and push it down the list. But you know, the per- I also got a review one time from a client's client. So we were going after the client's customer because the guy didn't pay the bill. It wasn't our customer. And he posts something like these people chase you from, I don't forget what he said. It was kind of true, but it wasn't really true because we were the lawyers representing and we got the bad review, but yeah, it's all, I mean, I still ask for a customer. Every time I close a deal, I send him a review letter, but you gotta, you gotta play that game and people want to know good things about you. But sometimes it just bites you in the ass, unfortunately. But it's a proactive process too, right? And this yeah, is the thing sure. you have to think about with branding being an online thing now, branding, personal branding, company branding. Yeah. Um, and this is especially in the world of reviews, right? How many people do you know? I, I think I'm one of the few that does it. Like if I'm at a restaurant and the food's amazing, I'm going to leave a review. Yeah. Um, but there's very few people that leave a review and they're happy. They're always going to leave a review no, when they're pissed. Bad. That's what and, they say. You tell five people that you know if you have a good experience and a hundred if you have a bad time. So you have to be considering that. And as, as a business owner, you always have to be getting the, you always have to be asking for positive reviews. Right. Um, it, it's really, really important to do that. If people that have had an experience with your service, your product or whatever it is, because it's not if a bad review comes, it's when, right? And right. if you've been getting them over time, it's going to hurt a lot less when it happens. So you always have yeah. to have like a long-term vision with this stuff. Yeah. And at that time we weren't asking for reviews. So the only mm-hmm. few fake reviews would pop up would be bad. Couple friends might do some things, but now I send out a automatic. It's so automatic in our CRM. As soon as the deal closes, you move them to another list, sends out the letter, and it makes it easy for them. It's got links in it; they can click on it. That you know, and and that's I've been getting business because of that. They say, "Oh, you had a lot of Google reviews." I'm like, "I did." Like, I don't even look at it, but you, you got to do that. But maybe we can do this. Maybe we can say, "Okay, you're a business owner. You're getting mm-hmm. started in business, or maybe you're even in a company. You're a professional, whatever." Where do you start? Like, how do you start? You're not IBM, right? You, you people go, they trademark the logo. I'm like, why? Like, you know, like make <laughs> yeah, it worth. If you're around in five years, then worry about the trademark. Yeah, I mean, it's all protected by use anyway, for the most part. Yeah, as you go, and then you can. But my point is that you, what what do you do? Like, how do you get started with your branding? What what's your advice from that standpoint? You're just getting started with a business. Well, so like you know, as I said, like for me, most most things are what you do in PR, right? Because if you look at it, there's essentially three parts to every business. There's sales, marketing, and, and public relations. If you're not selling, you take a look at marketing, something's wrong there. If marketing's not converting, something's wrong with PR and vice versa. And it always okay. starts with PR. So the advice I always give you know, new business owners, also established business owners, 
is to find the you know, small pond where you're a big fish in because everybody okay. forgets about local press, forgets about local media, forgets about all those things, but it's the single most attainable thing you can do uh, to build relevance, to build backlinks, to build brand credibility and things like that. Um, so like for an example, um, as I mentioned, I grew up in a, a small town called Hamburg, five eighths of a mile in size, nothing happens there. And there is okay. a small newspaper that goes to every house in the county on a Thursday. Now okay. that newspaper, because it's old, is also in Google News, right? So if it goes in the newspaper, I'm also going to get a backlink online and it's going to, I can then put that in my media page. So what you should be considering is writing out all these different things that are, that are small pond media sources in when you're your a community. big fish. In your community, yeah. So like, like chamber, I live, rotary. Yeah, chamber, rotary. Like I, yeah. Your university or, um, you know, like I grew up, I lived in a lake community before I live where I live now. They had a beautiful color magazine that goes to every house in that community. These are things that are your small pond and they're easy media sources to obtain that can brand you and create trust. So what you can do, and I think people have a major misconception about this, is people think a press release is a media piece. It can be, but the purpose of a press release is to alert media so you can get other media. So there's a really great article um, by HubSpot and they update it every year. So if you Google how to write a press release in 2022... That'll write a, tell you a little bit more about how to do that, right? You got to figure okay. out what's newsworthy, what's interesting, what's different about what right. you're doing. But if you send them all the big newspapers, you're, you're nobody. They're not going to... Start small. Because here's right. the thing, more of those small ones you get, the more backlinks you get, the more media sources you get, it becomes easier to get those bigger papers, right? So like, right. you know, I was in a small paper called the New Jersey Herald, and then sure. that got picked up. And from there, I was able to get in the Bergen Record. And then, you know, I got on uh, New York Channel One from there. So it's kind of realizing that there's no elevator to the top in terms of getting brand recognition. It's stairs and you build up a bunch of small pieces and that small pond, you can kind of branch out behind behind that and get some bigger pieces. Um, but really learning that game is how you level up your brand and create trust in your brand. That's something every single person can do, but everybody skips the basic of the small pond and they're like, well, I want ink and I want Forbes and I want right. all these different things. And, they don't and if you don't you have are. any of these base sources, you're never going to get those things. Right. And, and it's a long game, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a lot about building momentum slow and you gain, you know, not everything goes viral right away, but like you said, consistency, little steps. Right. And you got to, and I think that's another thing people miss when it comes to PR and branding. You can't put a post on LinkedIn once and say, well, it didn't do anything for me. So I'm not posting again. <sighs> well, it's also important that those that posts, those no. posts have to be native to that platform too. And, well, I, and I think, too, I, right. Cause people, I think in the beginning, they think, well, I have to be on LinkedIn. I have to be on Facebook and I have to be on Instagram. I have to be on these different places. Well, where are the places that your market hangs out? If your market's just on LinkedIn, then just hang on just on LinkedIn. That's all you have to yeah, be. Exactly. And create great content for LinkedIn. Because right. when you're trying to like, remember a number of years ago, and you've probably seen this too, Mitch, like people put a set up a Hootsuite and they'd have like yeah. all their networks hooked up in the all same post. Lining, like they're networks. going like this, right? Oh, yeah. so bad. You yeah. know, that doesn't help you. It doesn't create trust. In fact, it takes away trust. So you want right. to pick up one or two platforms and create content just for that platform. That, that's really how you create trust. Yeah. And as you get busy, you can add other things. But and yeah. I think everybody, they try to do it perfectly in terms of putting out this stuff. Sometimes you can craft your message as you do it. Like, don't wait till all the lights are green to head towards town. They won't be right. It, yes. It's not going to happen. And a lot of people, they're trying to craft their message. It's got to be perfect. It's got, if it's targeting, I think, your general audience of what your avatar and not have, we said we don't like that term about <laughs> what your ideal client is. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be worded perfect. It can, you do have a chance to keep putting content out that gets better and better and better. And I think people just, just wait. 
you know, done is better than perfect because per- because done is is working on the next the first, second and third version. Why perfect is still trying to figure out how to, how to get the car out the door. So it's you, you right. got to look at it that way, man. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think a lot of people and maybe, you know, it's hesitancy or nervousness or just get out and do it. You know, I think your background's in a, in a, about the fall. No, you're good. No, I think my chair went back too far. We're good, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, see the set crash on uh, YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So tell me about um, some content and stuff in your first book, right? What's it yeah, it's called un- it's called Unmarkable to Extraordinary. It's actually coming out um, on Tuesday. So we're, we're oh, uh, Tuesday great. the 21st. So really excited for it. Cool. And uh, Amazon, the whole thing, people can get it? Yeah. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, okay. um, anywhere books are sold. Um, you know, it's I've been working on this for almost five years now at this point. I've always told myself it wasn't ready. So I find a good publisher to kind of kick my butt into, into gear and really get this out there. But I've had a chance to speak to some incredible people like uh, the former CAA director, Hall of Fame athletes, um, a four-time 8500 champion, and really learn like what the real keys to success look like. And I wanted to put this in a way that people can get it without all that fluff. And I don't know, because I don't know about you, Mitch. Like I'm one of those people that if I hear those things, like if you can dream it, you can do it. I'm like, yeah, that's BS. Um, it takes a lot of work in life. So like I really wanted to distill some of those things down of like people that have actually done it, actually achieved things, what success really looks like so that right. people can find it to be repeatable. Yeah, because it's hard. It's doable, but it's hard and it takes perseverance. And a lot of these people that most, I mean, I'm sure all these people that are successful are perseverant. Yeah, they don't take no for an answer. They're resistant and they work their ass off. Nobody got to, if somebody became successful easily and by accident, it'll go away as fast as they, it'll be fleeting. It, it just won't stick. Well, you look at like a, like a, like a, a number one overall draft pick in the NFL, right? Like, like somebody like Peyton Manning is a big exception, but you look at most of them and they don't really go anywhere no, because it's become easy. People have told them how great <laughs> they are and things like that. Right. And, you know, to, you look at somebody like Tom Brady getting drafted 199th in the sixth round yeah, yeah. and he's had to work harder. He's had to show up more. He's had to yep. watch more film. He's the hardest like, that is guy out there. Valuable, yep. man. Yeah. Look at Johnny Manziel or look at him. Where is he? Yeah. Like, yeah, Johnny, he played in the Canadian leagues for a few years and now he just retired from football actually last week. So it's like, you know, last week it's what was? happens. Yeah. Yeah. The only team he played for was the Browns. And then he went to. They went to Canada, played for like the Rough Riders and like all these different teams. And he's retired now, man. Yeah. Uh, these guys, these guys burn out, but I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely a testament. So, so I, I know the book's coming out, so we don't want to give everything away, but so yeah. you studied all these guys, you interviewed all these guys. What are, what are a couple of like, you know, themes that you find are keys to their success that you've learned from all these guys you interviewed? Well, we just kind of talked about adversity and how important that is, because I think it's a very transformative process you and a lot of adversity. Yeah, because a lot of people are going to see it and they're like, that looks hard. I'm going to go sit on my couch or I'm going to run away or whatever. Right. Where other people will say, okay, that looks really hard. Um, I'm going to go through it because on the other side, I'm going to be better or there's going to be an opportunity that happens because of it. So how you approach adversity is vital. Um, another really big thing as well is, you know, we talked about the idea of done being better than perfect. That's a huge yeah. deal as well. Getting that product out there, getting it in front of people, getting that service out there. Because you can get feedback, you can make it better. You can, and and when other people are still trying to kind of create that first version, it's a big deal. But also understanding that like opportunities don't come to you. If they do, you are darn lucky. You're like a white unicorn or something. Um, for most people, you have to create your own opportunities. Yeah, you create luck. There's no question. You create you create your own luck. Um, Rebecca Minkoff is a, a famous purse designer now, and she's one of the people I mentioned in the book. And yeah. when she got her start with her brand. 
She created this first purse for uh, first purse for Jenna Elfman to wear in a movie. And then the shipping got messed up and it never got there and it never made it to the movie. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to spoil myself and keep this handbag for myself. She's walking down the street and somebody says, well, who, who designed that handbag? She's like, oh, I did. And that's how her business got its, got its start. She created really? that opportunity because she was willing to get out there with it. Yeah. So it's things like that, man, of realizing life is an active process. It's not a passive process. And you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. No, I think uh, another Mitchism is if you want to get hit, you got to play in traffic. You know? <laughs> I don't know if I want to get hit though, man. I yeah, may need a good lawyer. Then. Isn't that what it is? I mean, isn't that what it is? You, she went out there with the thing and she ran into somebody or somebody saw it and it, and it took off. And I think a lot of times adversity, maybe not even intentional actually, you know, builds your, your, you know, your character. It makes yeah. you more resilient. It makes you, you know, the next time at you deal with adversity, you're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. We got through that last time we did that. And other people are just falling apart. You know? Well, I look at it like a thermometer, right? Like you look at, um, I'm a huge fan of the Green Bay Packers um, yeah. and you watch these guys and it's like five degrees on Lam- in Lambeau and none of them are wearing long sleeves no. because they've played on that field all the time. They're used to it. You know, the 49ers come in and they're all like looking for their long sleeves and their earmuffs right. and everything else. But th- adversity is the same way. It's a thermometer. You can take more because you've had to take more than other people would just give up in. Yeah, well, that's I think that's why people that it comes easy to generally don't make it look at lotto winners, right? 95% yeah. and 99% are out of money in five years because just too easy. Well, they also need to learn better investing habits, but yeah. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> they create a life that's just expense, Yeah, right? It's just all expense. Um, okay. So you were going through, are there other things that you've Yeah. Learned? So, so also as well, um, this is something I learned from, from David Petraeus, uh, who used to be the uh, leader of CENTCOM and he did the CIA yeah, for a few years guy, as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, uh, from the army. And one of the things he talked about that he had learned was the value in journaling. Um, Because when you look at it, when you take the time to journal and write down your ideas, number one, you can form them better. Number two, you can say, that's a really bad idea. We shouldn't do that. So like as a leader, he looks at one of his most important things that he works on is journaling every single day because he can work out his ideas on paper or see if they don't work out so that he can implement better. Because I think too often, like, you know, we talked about done being better than perfect, but at the same time, you can't always just throw caution to the wind, right? You have to have a good formed idea to be able to put it out there and be successful. So that's a really big thing. Um, As well as, you know, the idea of, of realizing that sometimes you may be living someone else's dream and realize what you want to do and not do things because other people want you to do them. You know, like you may go into a, you may go into a career because society wants it or your parents want it or whatever it is. And I think that's just really vital to realize, okay, what's going to make me happy and how can I achieve in that? I I just think it's really important. Yeah. I think if I was, uh, if I went back to high school or even college and I was more like, did those kind of reflective things, I don't think I would have ended up in law. I, yeah. I think I would have ended up in something related to business, entrepreneurship, maybe speaking, maybe motivational. I don't know. But a lot of it was, I don't know. You, you go to high school, you do well in high school, you get out of high school, you go to college, you go to college, you get a degree. And where do you go? I didn't know where to go. So I was drinking with my best friend at one time. <laughs> I was like, all right, we'll go to law school. My grandmother always told me to go to law school. So I went to law school. And then the law school, I, you know, I didn't know what I want to do. And then slowly but surely, it, it kind of molded itself around business. But I think I... I think it's a good exercise. I think a lot of people should, when they're young, have the gumption. That's a word. Is that makes me sound old? No, that's definitely a word. That's yeah, not that, that because, but but here's the point: what that. other people's are doing. Like people are uncomfortable, right? You're uncomfortable yeah. going to your parents, say, you know what, I don't want to do this. Uh, you know, what are you? You know, this and that. So I think people got to just kind of 
bite their tongue and give it a try, you know, in terms of. Well, I think also like the system could be set up a little bit differently in this way, Mitch. Like I think to ask somebody what they want to do at 17 or 18 for the rest of their life. Hard. You know, that's really hard. Like, you know, the, one of the big things I think everybody should be doing uh, is have an apprenticeship of some kind, you know, work for somebody that's good at something for that. Yeah. Because you'll find out number one, I really like it. You'll find that I don't like it. Or you'll get some, you know, you get some experience. And I think apprenticeships right. are a huge thing that's missing, and the trades have done a good job with that. But I think other people could do that in careers, and you could decide, you know what, um, I really like this, or number one, I hate this. So why would you go to right. school, create all that debt, and for something you're never going to do? I think that is is also vital. But I also think we we've been sold kind of this lie of, you know, follow your passion, and you'll never work a day in your life, and da 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 da. And I think. I think that's kind of BS. I think there, yeah. there's two viewpoints on it. There's follow your passion and there's find your passion. Right. Follow your passion is a causative viewpoint and it, or a, a, an effect viewpoint. And it implies that you're following something and life happens to you and hopefully it's going to work out. Find your passion implies you're doing things. You're trying right. some things you like, trying some things you don't like, and it's going to work out and you're going to work towards something. Doing what you want in life and being happy with it requires work, man. Right. Being proactive at yes. what you're doing. Give it a try. Go after it change and don't be afraid to change and re kind of recalibrate and repivot if it's not working out as opposed to just you find yourself 25 years later just still doing the same thing and you're just like yeah yeah but a lot, look a lot of kids now go to college because we look when our parents were were young not a lot of people went to college some people yeah. did some people got a job then it got to the point where everybody went to college some people went to graduate school now everyone goes to college everyone goes to graduate school like you said the trades have a good apprentice program but they're losing people that probably would have good careers in the trades. They would good be, you know, there's a lot of opportunity as a plumber, an electrician or other tradesmen. And it's a dying art because we kind of guiding society like a herd into colleges, which is business too, right? The colleges want to get you in there. They want to take your 50. Well, that, that, that's a whole other argument. Brand. You don't want to get me, you don't want to get me started yeah. on Mitch. Yes. But I think it's, <laughs> we're hurting ourselves because there's yeah. people that have a lot of skills and can do things and be very happy, but they, they but because of their upbringing and their family or whatever, you're the first one to go to college, go to college. You know, whatever. I was the and first one to go to college in my good. family. There you go. My, my dad's one of 11. And, you know, my, my my mom didn't go to college. My dad didn't go to college. My dad didn't finish high school. He went back later and got his GED. And so for them, like going to college was like this, you know, magical major thing. And I think here's the here's one of the problems is, you know, it goes back to what you're talking about. You, you Everybody goes to college. Everybody goes to graduate school. Right. So then, like, if you're trying to differentiate and you're trying to use education, to do that. Like, how do you do that? But get more education. So to me, I think experience is that magic thing. I think it's the thing people are missing. I agree with you a lot. Some of the universities, they don't really do this in college, in high school, I guess, have co-op programs where they get these kids working while they're going to school and they do this. Some of the engineering programs, whatever, they have good programs like that. But you're right. I mean, that's what's missing. I remember when my son, so my son just graduated. He's now working for an artificial intelligence company in Indianapolis. It's like two weeks in, three weeks in, loves it. They're a great company, all the great stuff. Mm -hmm. He he got this opportunity in this job more so than his friends. He wasn't the top. He wasn't the best student in the school. He was a good student. There's a lot yeah. of kids who were really, but he spent his summer working for another company doing all kinds of programming and things like that and got back to school and was tutoring the other kids in some of the stuff they were doing. Cause they're like, how do you learn? How did you learn this? He says, well, I worked during the summer for, I interned for this company for like 12 weeks or whatever. And they're like, what? And 
that's what the companies look. Is it great to have a college degree? Sure, you want to you for your corporation you want people to have a college degree, but they they have no experience. So the the company almost wants you to like go out and learn, go out work for five years, then come back to us. It's a catch yeah. twenty two, and these kids have nothing but a degree. They have no experience, and they may have life experience, but it doesn't help the career path. And I also think there's absolutely no correlation between success and getting a college degree. Do I think everybody should? Sure, you should get a college degree. But that doesn't mean maybe you should work and get it at night and, you know, or do it late or whatever, if that's not really you. And, you know, I know a lot of people that I know people like your dad who not even get, they never got the GED. They never got graduated high school and they're very successful. He started in the machine shop at a company um, in the night, in the, in the early 1970s. He then became the supervisor. He then became the manager. He then became the regional manager. By the time he retired, he was the president of the company. He worked his way up and had all this knowledge and ability. Um, and I, I think it's very hard to do that now because people it close is. it off because you don't have education when right. education doesn't mean you can actually produce something. Right. And th- now it is. I think you're right. I think he, if he was doing it now, he would only go so high in the company because yep. they would say, okay, well, I'm sorry for you to go from regional manager to, you know, to, to be a, uh, uh, part of a vice president, you got to have a college degree. It's just a check the box type of thing. There's no, you know, and I think you're right. I think that's, it's become a rite of passage and it's uh, the only thing it is bankrupting the parents, but you know, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, okay. So I know, I know I've taken up a lot of your time today, but a um, few parting words. If you were, if you look back on what you, well, you're young, you're 35, but if you're, if you're looking at what you're doing and stuff, what are the things that you think maybe that you, some mistakes you made along the way, some things you learned, and some advice for people that are listening on top of the book. The book they got to buy and read. We'll leave a link in the show notes, but uh, you know, that type of thing. Well, so here, here's the thing I would say is like, I wouldn't change anything that's happened to me in my life. Okay. And the reason because is each one of those things taught me a skill and taught me something I do now, because I also think, you know, society gives us a bad viewpoint on losing. In my viewpoint, if you're using losing to teach you how to never lose again, then that's important. So I've learned a skill from each one of those things. Um, you know, which was really, really important to me. Um, So the thing I would say to people is, you know, don't think you have to have it all figured out. Be willing to try some things, be willing to work through some things. It's a learning experience. Yeah. If you're learning something from that, then I think that's a really big deal. Um, And I, you know, I would tell myself that same thing at at, at 17, 18, 19 years old, because I was very impatient. Um, And I think, having a little bit of that, you know, I'm here let me enjoy the time and let me learn something I think is, is, is really a big thing we could all do. So what's the best way besides buying your book, uh, for people to kind of interact with you, follow you, learn from you. Is it your website? Is it social media? What's the best way? So they can check me out, um, on all social media. I am at Jeremy Ryan slate. Um, my parents named me after an actor, so it became very hard to get found on social without using my middle name. His name is also Jeremy slate. Um, so they can find me on all socials there. Uh, we're at commandyourbrand.com. Okay. Uh, if they want to grab the book, uh, it's unremarkable to extraordinary. And the, the site to get that is over at getextraordinarybook.com. Or Amazon, I would assume, right? Yeah, that'll link them to Amazon. So they don't have to do all like the searching and stuff like that. But it is uh, getextraordinarybook.com is going to be the best place to find it. Great. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your, your knowledge. And you know, maybe we'll change the world a little bit with a little personal branding. Hey, I, I appreciate it, Mitch. And anytime I get to talk education and, and you know real world experience, I get really excited. So thank you for that, man. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, 
on Amazon Music and many of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at beinhackerlaw.com. The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted and produced by me, Mitch Beinhacker. If you'd like more information about my legal services, you can find me on social media or visit my website at beinhackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.